to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome, everybody. A few things I want to get into here. First, I want to cover a brief story, which again kind of summarizes a topic that was brought up earlier regarding the university gulags that are taking place. And again, what the Xavier University student who I've had on in the past and described what was going on at Xavier University, they are not alone in that regard. Um, Unfortunately, that's happening in numerous colleges and universities all over the United States and I'm sure all over the world for the countries that are imposing all of this nonsense um, and experiencing this massive war that's taking place. Uh, the second thing I'd like to do is, is briefly go over again some of the sort of delusion and mass delusion and essentially the thread that runs through everything that we're experiencing. And again, it, it, it of course is remarkably unfortunate because it's getting countless people killed. Countless people are becoming unemployed as a result of this. Um, they're losing their ways of life. They're losing their finances, uh, they're losing their families, their loved ones, etc., etc. But that really is the common thread that's running through that, and I want to describe why, again, some of the more nefarious motives as to why that's happening, in particular at the local level. Um, and of course, the war is occurring at the local level, which which has to consistently be mentioned. Um, I also want to get into Greg Abbott's executive order a little bit, because again, the bigger question I have with such an executive order about no ma- or not no masks, he already has that executive order, but the no vaccines now, finally, the, the no jabs, that no one can impose the jabs. Why did he wait so long? Why on earth did he wait so long? And, and why are other governors not doing this? Does, does COVID not exist in Texas, but it exists somewhere else? I mean, give me a break. And then I would like to go over this document that seems to pretty clearly describe how employers cannot enforce something on someone that is an emergency use authorization in particular if said emergency use authorization of a drug or quote-unquote biological weapon is unhealthy. Because the fact is is that we can prove that it's unhealthy and anybody can prove that it's unhealthy. So... If I was to make one suggestion right off the bat here, I would say we've got to continuously send this information and hand it to them directly. School board members, again, if you want to maintain yourself in those situations and in those environments, but certainly employment areas and XYZ, and I've mentioned this in the past, that actually directly mailing these individuals and then receiving a mailing receipt will prove that they have, in fact, all of this information at their disposal. And the same goes with health departments as well, because unfortunately these entities are all bought off and they're not really doing what they're legally responsible for doing, which is keeping people safe. But at the exact same time, that right is up to the individual because it's not their right to play doctor. So there's that. Anyway, this first one comes from the college fix. And again, this isn't shocking because this is happening with regularity. And unfortunately, it's the mainstream media, of course, that's never going to touch this. And they aren't touching it, which is too bad because they should. And it's absolutely horrific. And you've even heard, again, a guest on, on this show who attends a university. And, um, and, and such policies were imposed on them as well and people that they know. So again, from the College Fix, and it's titled, Universities Continue to Put Students in Prison-Like Conditions Over Fear of COVID. And it says the following, 
Quote, students across the country are being forced into isolating conditions this fall semester, mirroring the prison-like conditions seen last year as universities return for in-person learning. The quarantine measures may be even less, make even less sense now because a free and largely effective vaccine has been available to all college-aged students for months now, and many campuses have vaccination rates above 80%. I'm going to repeat that sentence in case you didn't catch that. They just said, the quarantine measures make even less sense now because a free and largely effective vaccine. This is coming from the College Fix, which is supposed to be a truth-telling conservative outlet. Why would they include this Rachel, whatever her last name is, L-A-L-G-I-E from the University of Florida? Why would she include that, uh, that sentence when that's patently false? See, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you here, this is getting the, the, the water. I'm going I'm to read the whole article, but the water is getting muddier and muddier as we move forward here. Because if outlets like this aren't telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but, they are the problem. They're simply the problem. To make that claim and to say that sentence shows a total disconnect from reality. And they write for this organization, which is terrible. Um, it continues, it says, Syracuse University ships students four miles down the road to uh, Onondaga, if I'm saying that right, community college for isolation housing. But it, is not an but it has not informed students that this is where isolation housing is located. The Daily Orange reported, students who are isolated at OCC are allowed to leave their rooms to access the communal bathrooms or grab food from the common area on their floor, multiple students said. No isolating student is allowed to leave their floor, students said. Deliveries that students order are brought up to their floor between certain hours of the day. There is no time for them to go outdoors. Honest to God. It continues. The College Fix reached out to Syracuse spokesperson Jeff Stoker, if I'm saying that right, um, twice in the past three weeks to ask for confirmation and comment on the campus paper article, but did not receive a response. Shocking, I'm sure. Demotivating and depressing, quote-unquote. Students at the University of Pennsylvania far know better than their Syracuse peers. Students who are diagnosed with COVID-19, including those who are fully vaccinated, are required to isolate for at least 10 days, the Daily Pennsylvanian reported. With classes primarily being conducted in person this semester, students reported varying degrees of accommodation and a lack of clarity from professors about what accommodations or extensions they were entitled to. The paper said some students described the conditions as demotivating and depressing. No kidding. Uh, it continued, quote, the perception of time was pretty much non-existent and I pretty much had no motivation. There was nothing to look forward to in there. Student Joy Anawola, if I'm saying that right, uh, told the campus paper. The college fix reached out to Stephen McCarthy, vice president of communications for Penn, twice in the past three weeks to ask for confirmation and comment on the campus paper article, but did not receive a response. I'm going to stop the article there because that's essentially it. It just reviews some, some other past cases from other universities as well. The, the point is, is that these communication directors, isn't it funny how they're in the business of communication and yet they never want to communicate? 
which means, of course, their job is not to actually communicate. Their job is to do what they're told, trick the public the best they can, lie as frequently as they can. And these, unfortunately, are horrific character traits that they all seem to think are 100% fine in these environments. Again, the normalization of the insanity here continues to baffle me with every passing day. Why an individual would enter one of these environments willfully should show any individual, anybody looking from the outside in, that that is not a well person. And again, to remain in these environments, to remain in these environments has, has one end. And again, we're seeing that. And we're reading about that more and more frequently, as was just described here. It's demoralizing. And that's the point. That's a giant on purpose. That's not an accident. Demoralization, of course, is one of the endless steps to completely taking over an entire country. You have to demoralize the individuals who work there. Now, again, speaking of demoralization, there's one post here one relatively new post. It's about a week old on nomassforkids.com. And the posts on this particular website have dramatically decreased over the, um, the, the course of time, in particular this school year. That's not because, of course, horrible things aren't happening. They certainly are. I, I personally think that people are just getting tired of posting their negative experiences, and, and rightfully so, unless, of course, they're starting to take things into their own hands and they're recognizing, wait a minute, I don't have to type all these complaints that I have online because we're not experiencing these negative things anymore. But as I've brought up in the past on countless occasions, I want you to listen to this post because almost every single line in it, if not word in it, is really indicative of the, again, mental disconnect that the parent has with their own child and how it's just beyond evident to tell that the parent seems to believe that it's government's job to keep the child safe, not the parent's job to keep the child safe, because that is the parent's job. That's the parent's sole responsibility, is to protect the child from government. I think Thomas Paine said something along those lines, if I'm not mistaken. So. Here's what the post says. It's titled, and this comes from Martinez, California, age 15. It's titled, Headaches, Depression, Sadness, Irritation. It says the following here, quote, My son, who is an active teen, who played basketball and was constantly on the move, is now sad, lonely, depressed, dehydrated, and has frequent headaches due to the mask. He chews on the inside of it due to sensory issues. It gets full of food, and it's dirty no matter how often we wash it. He won't talk to other kids because of the mask. He won't play on the basketball team because of the mask. And he feels, dep- and he feels oppressed. The mask mandate needs to end now. It does more harm than good. The science does not support the wearing of masks daily for healthy children. That's it, unquote. Um, again, every line here is an embarrassment to parenthood. First of all, frequent headaches due to the mask, sad, lonely, depressed, dehydrated. I don't know who's writing this, the the father, the mother, whoever. Why are they wearing it, number one? Take it off. Number two, your child's 15 years old. They can homeschool themselves. They can read. 
So take them out of that environment and have them read. Have them walk around outside. Healthy, breathing normally, like normal humans. Stop putting them in these environments that are psychologically damaging him, and now, of course, physically damaging him as well. And then again, it gets full of food and it's dirty no matter how often we wash it. Masks aren't meant to be worn, let alone washed. The fact that anybody's washing these things, let alone wearing them, again, it shows a complete absence of knowledge on what's actually happening and the facts that exist out there. And again, I've heard lots of people rationalize the mask wearing different ways. They'll say, well, we don't wear the ones that are in the boxes. We wear these gator things that are around our necks, and then they can just pull them up and slip them down and pull them up. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always been a compliance test. And, and I might add, I came across this as well. This is a giant on purpose from a compliance standpoint because that is even being tracked. It's being tracked how many minors and how many adults are complying with this. And those numbers are being calculated and kept because they, of course, were then used for who's likely to get the jabs. Because if they're likely to just continue with the mask wearing, even though it says on the box, doesn't do anything, shouldn't be worn for long periods of time and hurts countless people, that, that, that number of individuals that are complying for that was used for the jabs. Just like the six feet garbage of the social distancing. That was another step. That was another brick in that wall there. And again, I know this is all repetitive and, and you probably know all of this if you're listening to it, as do I, clearly. But the point is, is that we have to consistently ask ourselves, what is the next thing? What's the next thing that those people are going to comply to? Many have already complied again with the booster jabs. Are they going to continue to comply with the flu shots? Are they going to continue to comply with every single time they see a sign on a door when they enter a place that says, you have to wear a mask now? Jabbed or unjabbed, you still have to wear a mask. I mean, where does it end with this? And again, the basketball team, please. It's embarrassing. Um, feels oppressed. Well, stop playing round ball. Stop playing sports ball and start having them read books. Sit them down and explain to them that we're at war. That's allowed to happen. You know, in the Civil War, there were children who fought in the Civil War. They were 15 years old. Many of the individuals who were communicating and fighting on the side of us, the revolutionaries, during the Revolutionary War, were in their teens, in early 20s. 20, 20, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. This is not taught in school. And unfortunately, as I've said in the past, that, you know, we have to do whatever we can to teach these individuals to be and think like adults. They don't have to do adult things all of the time, per se, to an inappropriate level, if you know what I mean. But they certainly need to be able to grasp the importance of what's actually taking place here. And again, if, if we're not raising, and, and, and if parents aren't raising children to be warriors, then what are you raising them to be? You're raising them to be compliant slaves, which is exactly what this parent is doing. And then again, it wraps up with the mask mandate needs to end. No shit. No shit. Well, what are you going to do about it? 
What are you going to do about saving your child from their own mental and emotional decline? Right now, for this parent, the answer is nothing, because even they themselves as the parent are showing the ill effects of what's gone on throughout this entire time. And that's having an even worse effect on the children, because the children are having to see it. And then again, the parents are sending them right back to these abusive environments. If they're old enough to read, they're old enough to teach themselves. It, it really is that simple, and it's always been that simple. Okay. Now, speaking of lawsuits, and again, from what I brought up here in the introduction, this is from the Stu Peters show. He talks about this briefly. Uh, give this a listen regarding the individual who, again, served the school board members' lawsuits. And apparently, again, apparently it worked. At the very least, they rescinded their mask mandate, um, so no more masks, which is great. But we'll see what happens in the long term, and who knows, maybe they might end up going back on it. Um, why a lawsuit like that wouldn't just simply be copied and pasted by countless lawyers across the United States for these for these horrific environments is beyond me. But give this a listen anyway. Fighting against these vaccine mandates, fighting against these mask mandates. You're going to your meetings. You're doing everything that you can. There's one guy out here who went to a meeting at a school board, a tyrannical, petty tyrant filled school board and confronted them on the mask mandates. Well, guess what? He was successful. And he confronted them and he said, I'm going to sue every one of you. I'm going to sue you as a board. I'm going to sue you individually. I'm going to sue every single one of you. And he served them right there on the spot with all of the paperwork. Well, guess what? He was successful. He got the mask mandate lifted. Those children were liberated. Well, as a result of those efforts, Christopher Key, that man, was fired by his communist boss from his work. So his new job is now the vaccine police. He's going all over the country. He's confronting pharmacists. He's serving Nuremberg notifications to people at hospital administrations, uh, big pharma executives and CEOs. He's all over the place. He documents his work at vaccine-police.com. You can give to his efforts there. This is what we need. We are in a war, and he is a soldier with boots on the ground fighting this on the front lines. He needs some assistance. With some of that donated money, he has erected billboards in major metropolitan areas that as a result of the billboard's presence has spawned the writing and the advertising and the covering by media. They don't have any other choice but to cover it. And so then the vaccines are getting media coverage that this corrupt and complicit mainstream and even alternative so-called conservative news outlets are completely ignoring. Go to vaccine-police.com, please, and support Christopher Key's efforts. I do, and I'm proud of it, and I'm glad that I do. You can view all of the work that he's doing over at vaccine-police.com, and if you have the means, and if you feel so called to do so, please help him out. Go to vaccine-police.com. So again, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound defeatist on this particular thing, but if this individual is doing this and this is working, or so they are saying, and it, it, again, it, apparently it's worked for this school board, fantastic and more power to them. I think that if they walk into corporations, they're going to get laughed at and they're not even going to be allowed in. So same thing with hospitals. Um, yeah. Again, don't want to sound defeatist on it. I just think that uh, these organizations and higher ups are going to look at this person and say, "Well, that's you know that's cute Nuremberg Code, fine, um, you know, beat it." Because the higher up they go, the more lawyers are going to exist that are just going to smile at them and stand in their way. Um, it's 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 just reaching a point here of of both predictability and unpredictability. We don't know what's really going to happen with all of these organizations here in the coming months. We really don't. 
there are so many people leaving these environments that they can't maintain themselves much longer. I mean, they really can't. You've got countless nurses and doctors, as we as I brought up in the past, and as many of us already know, are leaving these environments because they don't want to comply with the poison, and rightfully so. But how can those environments maintain themselves when the very individuals who are still left working there are jabbed, sick, ill, and or dying? And I'm going to bring up, again, one local example. And again, this was tossed my way, but the local university where I live, um, one of the entities that is remarkably unfortunately forgotten has to do with the food service workers and the maintenance workers that maintain universities and colleges. And they make up a great deal of the employed staff, if not more, of the employed staff within these environments. Um, and, and they're typically disrespected, which is awful. And of course, they're not paid the way that a professor would be paid or an administrator would be paid. But they typically run under a union. And locally here, uh, regarding Miami University, is apparently certain uh, union members or union heads have basically come back with the employees and said, hey, look, we know that you want to raise instead of this small little bonus to get the jab. Because again, here, just to remind people, they've been offered a $250 bonus, which... <laughs> to take a poisonous jab that could kill them on the spot and will certainly harm them down the line and end their life down the line, most likely. Um, but given all of that, the university, again, has offered them $250 to take it. They basically gathered together with their union and they told the union and the university to stick it and that they're not complying with it. They're already down hundreds of employees within the maintenance workers and the food and the food service workers so apparently the university has gotten back to has gotten back to them and the word has gone around that essentially says look because we're down all of these employees we might just have to send the students home because we can't operate then you see the universities around america have forgotten what the thread is that actually holds the entire institution together, and it is the food service workers and the maintenance employees and the landscapers and the, and the XYZ. These are the people that actually run the show. Without them around, what do you have? You have nothing. You have brick and mortar. You have Marxist professors running around. And then you have students wearing masks and being told that they have to get jabbed by November or October or else they can't go there anymore. I just don't see these places surviving. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I don't see them, I, I don't see them surviving. Again, they're, they're chopping off their feet and then they're going, uh, we don't need those shins. And then they chop off their shins. And then they're going, uh, who needs a thigh? And then they chop off a thigh. They're just working their way from the ground up, destroying their own foundation, so to speak. And they expect to just maintain things the way that they already are. Keeping in mind, of course, always that the individuals that are setting these policies are the very ones that are jabbed themselves. And yet they have no idea 
that these jabs are deadly. Uh, again, the entire thing is burning to the ground here, and, and they just don't seem to understand and or get it. So take that for what you want. Take that for what it's worth. But there's no way that this local university just where I live is the only place doing this and is the only place struggling with their employees who are saying, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Pay us more because we're having to do more because there aren't enough employees here. I mean, that's a big deal. If you have one individual doing the job of four and you're not going to pay them more because you just want them to take a $250 bonus to get a poisonous jab, why on earth would that person continue to work there? Other than filling out the exemptions, which apparently they can do and they do seem to be working, which is great. But again, as I've brought up, I just think that the exemptions are a slippery slope. Because apparently, again, in some of these exemptions, they are saying that it exempts you from having to take these jabs, and it also leads to a future exemption, where, again, you don't have to make a decision on the jabs until a year later or two years later or whatever. But who's to say that on those exemptions, that they don't ultimately say, by this day, you have to make a decision or or we're going to terminate your employment. Those exemptions, I mean, those forms have already existed and already exist countless places. So it's something that, again, everybody's got to keep an eye on, I think, regarding these environments. But wow, it, it's, it's just really, really heartbreaking. Because again, not, you know, university and, and school news aside, I read endless anecdotal um, stories. And I don't even like that word anecdotal because it's dismissive. I mean, I, I don't know many people that would get online and anonymously spill their guts about what's going on in their personal lives and what's going on in their working environments if they weren't telling the truth. It seems like a lot of effort, but I know people lie and everything and mislead or want to mislead others. But um, I'm reading countless stories of individuals who have worked within organizations and they're not taking the jabs, and they're not going to. And they and, and we're talking about even like higher ups, management, and they're saying I'm not doing it. I you know I even work from home, so to speak. Some people will say, and they're still making them uh, take these jabs or else. I mean, I, I you know you can't even wrap your head around that. Why on earth would you mandate an individual to take a jab if they're working from home permanently? It makes absolutely no sense, except for the fact that the the absolute higher-ups want to eliminate their workforce. And again, you're seeing a massive disconnect with certain individuals in management positions where those very individuals are saying, hey, look, I think this whole thing is horrible, but I've been jabbed and I'm your superior and I've been told that you know you either need to get the jab or else. And then these conversations are ending in tears because the individuals know and respect the person's decision to not get jabbed. Meanwhile, it's the superior who's been jabbed, and even that individual has no idea what they've done. And again, I've mentioned false equivalency a million times. That's a, that's a perfect example of it right there. You have two individuals having a human conversation about the only thing that people are talking about right now, for the most part. That is the most sort of worldly crisis and problem. And yet, 
it's the superior, so to speak, or the supervisor that doesn't seem to understand that the individual below them that they're responsible for and responsible for managing has taken a stance against a poison that the supervisor themselves has taken and the person who isn't taking it is willing to lose their job to make sure that they don't take it. But the supervisor simply will say back to them, I respect your decision. That's admirable. Um, you know, I applaud your decision. And if you need a reference in the future, go ahead. But the supervisor isn't hanging up the phone, looking in the mirror and saying, what in the hell have I done to myself? What have I personally done to myself? And again, that's the stuff that Yosemar Lou has written about at length in all of his books. And there's a small little passage here that I want to read um, on page 80 of Delusion and Mass Delusion, and it's titled The Power of the Masses. It says, quote, In the midst of all kinds of fearful, magic imaginations, the masses long for greatness, for symbolic fathers, capable of furnishing security. The masses demand powerful fetishes and powerful kings. They want to be subjects of a powerful state, which can praise and punish, hate and revenge. The lust for power is always a primitive fear symbol. It is a fear of another's greatness. It reflects the primitive alertness of the herd. Thinking man learns to understand that life is such can be powerful, even more powerful than death. He does not long for external power, but for the essentials of life. He has learned to relinquish power in exchange for civilization. Modern want for power and might is still a regressive symptom of a fearful mass frightened by the economic struggle and by insecurity, unquote. So again, in these situations where you have co-workers, supervisors talking with the people that they're responsible for supervising in these back and forths, and one is taking a stance for freedom and independence, and the other one is saying, look, if you, if, you know, freedom and independence, fine, I mean, I get it, whatever, but do you understand that you're going to lose your job and that we might have to cut you loose if you don't do this and you don't do that? It's just that individual right there that is incapable of seeing the bigger picture, the bigger problem, and what's actually happening. Because again, as I brought up, the face value evaluation that an individual should be able to do in any workplace should show everybody that there are, there are things happening here that are much, much bigger than what any of us can possibly imagine. And there's really only so much predicting that we can do. But for those individuals, again, in those positions who are having to have conversations like this with their coworkers and with the people that they're responsible for supervising and back and forth and vice versa, for them to not be able to see that there's a larger problem here and that they'd better take a stand for freedom and independence. Because I'm sick and tired of that choice, you know, that word choice. We're hearing that. Well, I, I, I respect people's choice. And if they choose to get it, then they choose to get it. They're choosing their own demise. No one would willfully choose to eliminate 50% of their immune system. I mean, who, who do we know that would actually do that? No one. No one with a brain between their ears would willfully do that. So we're talking about mass psychosis. And yes, it is delusion and mass delusion. And that book can be referenced in almost every episode that I, that I bring up here because that's the thread and that's the consistent theme that runs through everything that's happening here. It is delusion and mass delusion, and that's putting it mildly. 
I want to mention this too because it does fit before I get onto the legal stuff, and I promise I'm going to. Um, one of the interesting things, and this is one of those themes that's consistently replicating itself and, and reproducing over and over and over again, and it should show people that, again, the education business is crumbling, so much so that that countless K-12 school districts are trying to find different avenues in order to employ individuals to be teachers who are not qualified to be teachers per se, at least not right now. And they're looking for alternatives to get them employed. And they're looking for alternatives to get them certified so that they can fill these vacant positions because there are countless vacant positions. Again, in the field of K-12 education, there were already endless teacher shortages before all of this, before this entire horrific, tyrannical takeover that's taking place right now and, and this war coming to the surface. There were already teacher shortages. This wasn't going to help anything regarding any of that. That was, I mean, this was going to clearly make it worse and rightfully so. So Vanessa Hurst has brought this up in the past when she's been on that their local school district was doing whatever they could to essentially train non-teaching staff to be teachers and individuals who maybe had a two-year degree and doing what they could with working with local community colleges and local universities to get them certified so that they could be full-time teachers um, to fill all of these vacant positions. Because again, there are endless vacant positions, not to mention, of course, the substitute shortage. These schools cannot find substitutes. As it turns out, the local school district where I live is attempting to do the exact same thing. And again, these kinds of programs pop up, and they seem like, at face value, that it would be enticing. But what's enticing about having to wear a mask? What's enticing about having to potentially be forced to take a jab or lose your employment, and then ultimately get trained to do all of these things? and then maintain your own sanity. Again, in an environment where you're already making individuals, countless individuals, wear masks, that right, including students, I might add, that right there should show people that there are already K-12 schools around the nation that aren't doing any of this. They aren't forcing jabs on their employees. They aren't forcing masks on anybody, including students. And yet, in the very neighboring state, they're having to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, the war is at the local level. It's always been at the local level, and that's where people have to fight is at the local level. That's, that's where the battle has to, has to continue. Because again, nationally speaking, no one's going to show up and save the day. That's not going to happen. But I sure do hope that the local people at the local level that have, that have been imposing these tyrannical measures end up arrested. For the crimes that they've committed and the abuses that they've that they have uh, imposed on countless individuals, including minors. So, having said that, let me read this now regarding Greg Abbott's little uh, executive order. So, this is Executive Order GA thirty nine. There's a couple of lines in here that are worth mentioning. He does say in one particular line, it says COVID-19 vaccines are strongly encouraged for those eligible to receive one, but have always been voluntary for Texans. There are five major bullet points here toward the bottom, which I want to read. And it says this, the first one says no governmental 
entity can compel any individual to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. I find that line kind of interesting because it kind of, I mean, he's, he's kind of already done that in the previous line that I just read. He's sort of compelling people to get it, but it's not, he's not forcing people to get it. Um, he, it then says this, I hereby suspend section blah, 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 blah of the Texas Health and Safety Code and any other relevant statutes to the extent necessary to ensure that no government entity can compel any individual to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. I'm going to skip down a little here because I want to get to where it kind of mentions schools, and it does in point three. It says this, quote, any public or private entity that is receiving or will receive public funds through any means, including grants, contracts, loans, or other disbursements of taxpayer money shall not require a consumer to provide as a condition of receiving any service or entering any place documentation regarding the consumer's vaccination status for any COVID-19 vaccine. No consumer may be denied entry to a facility finance in whole or in part by public funds for failure to provide documentation regarding the consumer's vaccination status for any COVID-19 vaccine. Here's the issue that I have with this. I'm not a Greg Abbott fan. Um, I've made no bones about that. I don't know everything about the guy, but I I know enough to know that he smells weird. Um, Here's the thing. Where was this order and where was your no mask order a year ago when all of those individuals were losing their businesses and their jobs? Where were you then? Where was all of that then? And why now all of a sudden? Why a year and a half after this entire charade has this just now been imposed? So, I don't know. Those are the questions that I have. It's pretty evident that he was in on the take to some extent. Um, I find it hard to believe that that individuals in, in positions like that are completely void of, of some level of common sense, although it's pretty evident that um, it's a lack of common sense is a bigger problem than what we can possibly imagine, I suppose. Now, here's this last document that I wanted to read, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. In fact, I'm just going to read one page of it. But this comes from July 6th of this year, and it's a slip opinion. At least that's what it says at the top. But my interpretation of this is that this is for the, this is, it's titled a memorandum opinion for the deputy counsel to the president. And it's titled whether section 564 of the food, drug, and cosmetic act prohibits entities from requiring the use of vaccines of a vaccine subject to an emergency use authorization. So I'm skipping down to page two here, and here's what it says. And again, this is interesting, in particular, the second part. Um, First, it says this, quote, In recent months, many public and private entities have announced that they will require individuals to be vaccinated against COVID-19. For instance, in order to attend school or events in person, or to return to work or be hired into a new job. We will refer to such policies as quote-unquote vaccination requirements, though we note that these policies typically are conditions on employment, education, receipt of services, and the like, rather than more direct legal requirements. See what that means? It means it's not lawful. It's not lawful. Again. We're not talking about looking at an employee and saying, 
we have a dress code, you have to wear this shirt in order to come to work. We're talking about something that's a dangerous drug that people are being coerced into taking and told that they have to take in order to maintain their employment. But right there in that one sentence, which again, this dates back to Monday's episode when I played the Dana Lash clip of this all being completely illegal, it's not a law, and this is the paperwork right here that, that lays it out although it's in legalese, but it certainly lays it out nonetheless. The next paragraph says this, In light of these developments, you have asked whether the option to accept or refuse quote-unquote condition in Section 564 prohibits entities from imposing such vaccination requirements while only available vaccines for COVID-19 remain subject to EUAs, emergency use authorizations. We conclude consistent with FDA's interpretation that it does not. This language in Section 564 specifies only that certain information be provided to potential vaccine recipients and does not prohibit entities from imposing vaccination requirements, which means this. Because it's emergency use authorization, employees, or employers, I should say, don't have to tell people what's inside of the jabs. In fact, they're allowed to tell them, according to this opinion, they're allowed to tell them minimal information about what's in the jabs while saying that they can impose these jabs as a requirement. But then it says this in the very next paragraph. This is the very next sentence in the next section, and then I'm going to stop it here. It says, quote, federal law generally prohibits anyone from introducing or delivering for introduction into interstate commerce, any new drug, quote-unquote, or biological product, quote-unquote, unless and until FDA has approved the drug or product as safe and effective for its intended use. And again, there have been countless individuals who have provided jab facts, mask facts, ill health facts to school boards, universities, places of employment, etc. And it doesn't matter to a lot of these agencies and these, these organizations and these groups and these, these board members. They just don't care. They're not interested in it. Yes, some of them have changed their policies. Yes, some of them have actually openly admitted, wait a minute, we didn't know what we were doing. We were wrong. But that's really slim and none. Because again, and just to summarize, and then I'm going to wrap this up, I personally think that the larger agenda here is to do whatever they can to consistently squeeze the ethical people out of these lines of work, whether it be, again, the teaching positions, the nursing positions, all of them. Because if, if the psychologists and the psychiatrists and the people at the, at, at, I don't want to say the top, but the people who are pulling the puppet strings, so to speak, as I said earlier in this episode, are keeping track of the individuals who are complying and then not complying. The people who are wearing the mask, taking the jab, standing six feet apart, whatever. If those people, and they are being calculated as we're all being tracked in that manner, because they know who we are. Because again, in foreign countries, they're already coming after them. And of course, they're coming after us here in this country as well. But if they're keeping track of all of that, then their motive has to be remarkably simple, and that's to wipe out all of these workplaces 
from continuing to employ people like us, which means they have to then fill them with who exactly or whom. They have to fill them with individuals that are compliant. And unfortunately, because of the delusion and mass delusion that's taking place, the individuals that are filling those positions actually believe that they're in the right. Because who in their right mind would fill a vacant position where it's contingent on on filling that position that they have to wear a mask and take a jab? And that right there is part of the Great Replacement. And it's just one part of the Great Replacement. The Great Replacement has been referred to as, again, wiping out particular races, wiping out particular cultures, etc., etc. But part of that also involves wiping out a working environment of the morally sound and getting rid of the morally sound any way that they can, only to then replace it with the morally degenerate and the individuals that are not morally sound, and the individuals that will go along to get along no matter what, even if that means injecting themselves. They're willing to even do that. But again, if that takes hold, how on earth is that particular working environment going to exist in the future? That's the question that I continuously have. That's the question I'm going to have going forward. And that's about all I can say right now. So with everything said, I know it was a bit of a hodgepodge episode with lots of different things going on here, but there's a lot of different things going on here. Um, I just think that the larger picture right now is is what I just said, and that's removing individuals from particular workplaces that are qualified, morally sound, and have their heads on straight with individuals of the exact opposite ilk. That's a massive, massive problem. And again, that's putting it mildly. So I know a lot of different subjects were brought up in this particular episode, kind of bouncing all over the place. But um, again, the thread that runs through all of them is the consistent delusion and mass delusion that is taking place among countless individuals. And how unfortunately some particular things seem to be working in some areas, some are not working in others, while at the exact same time you have some states that are wide open and free and you have some states that are on complete lockdown and forcing everybody to uh, poison themselves or else. So the fight continues, the fight goes on, and I don't think there's any doubt that that fight is a local problem and a massive local problem. So it'll be interesting to see again what comes up here in the next couple of months because I can't imagine our country having another set of elections here, even at the local level with all of the fraud that's been taking place. I I really can't. Um, But time will tell, no doubt about it. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.